0: In the book of 1 John, chapter 5, verse 4, we're talking about this morning. Victory belongs to Jesus. Victory is in Jesus. For he says this in verse 4 of 1 John. He tells us that for everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered, conquered, what has it conquered? Conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. If you are a believer, my I'm going back in the biblical days because before Christians were even mentioned, we were believers, they were believers. So if you're a true believer in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and if you have experienced being born again, the conversion, the transformation of the renewing of your mind. Giving you a new heart from that old stony heart, from that dark heart, that black heart. A new spirit that has been washed and then cleaned and renewed again. A renewedness of your mind. If that is you, then victory belongs to you in Jesus. The Bible says it, and we just read it. For anyone that is born or everyone that is born of God, born of him, is victorious. And anything that's in the world that tried to come at him, he can overcome it. What am I trying to tell you this morning? In order for you to get over yourself, number one, you got to get over you. In order for you to get over yourself, number one. And then the attractions of the corruptible things in this world. You're going to have to have Jesus. You're going to have to have Jesus. If you check out what Romans chapter 12, very common scripture I quote all the time, a lot of times. 12 and verse 2. I can quote it, but I want to read the whole thing for you. Amen. And that it lets you know that In order to make it in this world, you got to be transformed. In order for you to face the things of this world, you're going to have to be transformed. You're going to have to be transformed how? How? By the renewing of your mind. But before you get to renewing your mind, the first thing you got to do is what the dedicated service is. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, And Paul admonished this to these Romans and all the people that were there. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. See, see your whole body, your being, have to be presented to Jesus, presented to Christ. How? How? He said, to do this, he says, present your body, dedicating all yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice. And the first thing he says, how to get this done, how it should be done, he says, holy and well-pleasing to God. He says, which is your rational, which is a logical and intelligent act of worship. Do you understand? You see, that's why I was taking you into worship this morning, so that you would give yourself to dedicate yourself to Him to recognize your wholeness of your heart when you need to be in Jesus. So many times we spend so much time just going to church. How many are tired of just going to church? When are you just going when you go to church, you're excited about the experience that you're going to have or the encounter? that you're going to uh, uh, expect or desire to expect when you get to church? Or are you just going to church just to say, I went to church? Are you going to church just to say it to be pleasing to somebody because it sounds good to say it, that I went to church? When is it that you're going to do what the biblical scriptures have said, huh, to present your bodies a living sacrifice? Holy and pleasing to God. Amen, amen. And this act of transformation where I began telling you at the top of my message here is in verse 2 and he says this. And he says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer. You see, when you become a believer, when you become born again, when you become transformed, all the things of the world, the lifestyle, the antics, and all of the pleasures and all those things of this desire of this world need to be set aside. He says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer, but it with what? It's superficial. See, everything here in the world that we see and going on, superficial values and customs. But he says, but be transformed, there it is right there, be transformed, transformed and progressively changed. Do do, do y'all get that? You you, you can't be the same way that you are here in the world and be the same way in the church and think you can please God and that it pleases him with your ways and your being. It's not going to happen. But at the same time, there is victory in him when you bring, that's why I, I played the music this morning. You give yourself, when you bring yourself to the house of God huh, as a living sacrifice, living sacrifice. Notice he didn't say dead. <laughs> no, notice he didn't say a dead sacrifice. He said a living sacrifice. Living Meaning that when you come with a living sacrifice, then there's God. Then you give Him something to work with. You can't work with nothing dead. Hallelujah! But even though I know He's God, if you wanted Him alive, He can bring Him back. alive and cause Him to do things. But that's not the point that we're making this morning. You got to be willing to give yourself to Him a living sacrifice. Turn your whole life over. In. You can't drink, smoke, on fornicate, and adulterers and lie and cheat and steal and murder and kill and live this whole adulterated world when it is too superficial values and customs, and then expect there after everything is over with, if you haven't made that, that step, that decision, that choice to seek out Jesus, then to think that he is supposed to accept you into his kingdom that way, it will not work. It will not work that way. Hallelujah. It will not work that way. It's going to have to work according to the biblical statutes and the mandates of God. And he said that, and as we begin, continue reading him, and he said, I'm going to start again. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed. Progressively mean you're growing in change, which means as a you as you mature spiritually. See throughout your spiritual growth, and when you attend church, hallelujah, and then your word, the word of God is being spoken in spirit and in truth, hallelujah. By the renewing of your mind, things begins to change. It began to change meaning new thoughts new direction new process meaning you're under the process and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and under the direction of Jesus Christ in the way that he would have you to live in this life hallelujah hallelujah so it says, by renewing, by the renewing of your mind, there it is, change. See, the mind has to be changed. I, I, I give this example all the time when I witness and testify to people that, would, that that mind that you were born with at the beginning of the day of birth, that mind that you were built in you, born with, that sinful nature of a corruptible statue of mind that you have have to be changed. You wasn't just born into this world and Jesus that didn't just die, that automatically that we all have a ticket to go to heaven free of charge. No, ma'am, no, sir. There's something that's got to be done. And I'm reading it right now. Born again conversion got to happen in your life. Not just walking up to the altar, shaking a preacher's hand, or taking on membership notice. None of that putting your signature on a paper or a documentation that you are a member of a church. That is not the answer for you having the entrance of getting to heaven with Jesus. No, ma'am. No, sir. Hallelujah. So here we're talking about victory in Jesus. Victory belongs to Jesus. But there's some steps that had to be made to get to that victory, is what we're sharing with you right now. So by the renewing of your mind, what he says, focusing on what God values. An ethical attitude that means proper attitude, not all these snarling, snobby, mean, hateful, uh, 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 prejudice, and all those type attitudes, and thinking somebody else owes you something, mad at everybody for everything, and you got ought to be mad at yourself for one thing, and that thing is living in a sinful nature of a flesh that needs to be transformed and brought into the newness of life. Good God Almighty, hallelujah, tell it like it is, brother pastor, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is. Do you see that? So you may prove for yourselves. See, not for man, but for yourselves what the will of God is. That which is God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. You see there? There it is. In order to reach reach the victory status in Jesus, these steps have to be made. Hallelujah. You got to go through this step according to biblical scripture, not according to David's plan, not according to any other man that stand up before you plan, but the plan of the very written Holy Scriptures plan that Jesus laid out for his disciples to share and his apostles to share with us in today's time oh my God, hallelujah, in today's time. Because verse three tells us this, for by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, and I love this verse because people think like they know it all and they got it all figured out. But he says, for by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself or herself, Himself, I want to make sure that everyone knows for a a he and a she, amen. For of himself and of his importance and ability, then he ought to think. In other words, your titles, your positions, (laughs) your education don't mean a thing when it comes to salvation. It's a whole different step. He said, then he ought to think. But to think so as to have sound judgment. As God has apportioned to each a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service. In other words, my brothers and sisters, God has set up a plan that has been already orchestrated from the beginning of time for our lives. And the only way that we're going to get to the plan and to the preservation and to live with Jesus is if we follow that plan. Not our plan, but follow Jesus' plan. Not man's plan, but Jesus' plan. The plan that had been planned even before he came into this world that had been set in place for each and every one of us is if we are to be that believer, that desire to be with him. And in Deuteronomy chapter 20 and verse 4 says something like this here. And he says this, I think I'm going to have to read verse 2 says, when you, all the way down to four, when you approach the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, you are advancing today to battle against your enemies. Do not lack courage. Do not be afraid or panic or tremble in terror before them for the Lord, your God, remember for the Lord, your God, this is the fourth verse is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Don't you understand that Jesus came in this world? He lived and died, that he came to fight for us. Listen to this. He came, he gave his life to fight for us, that he might be able to save us. And that he might be able to give us a chance and opportunity to save ourselves. See, the plan of salvation means save. Jesus saves. The plan of salvation is set in motion that when you take on the keys of believing and trusting in him, then you have the opportunity to be saved, to be born again, to be, let me use a more pleasant beautiful word that everyone else doesn't use all the time because so many times people throw these other words around as if everything is over with and it's not over with as long as we live in this life. So Jesus came and rescued us from ourselves and the practice of being a slave to sin and that we might be able to learn how to have a choice to be able to choose whether we want to be under that slavery mentality or that slave ship or whatever you want to use and to understand that or caught into the rapture of those slave strands of sin and not be able to give him the glory. And so Jesus died that we would have a chance to make a choice whether we want to live eternally with him, and with him forever or in eternal damnation forever. Either way it goes, once this life is over here in this world, this Part of world of this existence here is gonna be forever. When we die and leave this earth into the next realm of extended life, and believe me, there's gonna be an extended life, whether it's gonna be with Jesus or whether it's gonna be in damnation. That life is gonna be an extended because the reason that I can say that. And you might be thinking, well, how can you be an extended life if you go into torture? Well, remember the Bible lets us know that if you die in sin, huh? When you die in sin, that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And sound like to me, there's some movement, there's some activity going on in hell if you die and go there. The only problem is that your activity will be continuously, daily of a punishment of burning in the lake of fire and never burn up. Don't you understand how should that feel? Once you try to imagine how that feels to be in a fire where you never burn up, but you feel the pain as if you lived on this earth, just like you feel pain here. But the only problem with that pain is it's going to be three times, ten times worse than this pain that you deal with on earth. Hallelujah. When all you got to do is trust Jesus and believe him, what First Corinthians says this, in chapter 10, verse 13. He says this when you're a believer and you trust him, he says, No temptation, Lord have mercy. Woo! I love this encouragement here. He says, No temptation, regardless of its source. Now he says, He's no matter where it comes, no matter what direction temptation comes from, as long as you are a believer. I'm trying to drive home this believing category of direction and believing in Christ. If you are a believer, watch this, and I haven't even finished the verse yet. If you are a believer, and when you're a believer that no substance, no temptation, no matter what direction Satan sent it from, that it will not overtake you. He say it won't overtake you. He said, let me finish the verse then. He says, no temptation, regardless of its source, has overtaken or enticed you that is not common to the human experience, nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. Whoa, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says, it is not common. In other words, think about it, brothers and sisters. We, we, we think that we are not to be tempted. We are not to be tried. We are not to be tested. Guess what? He says, it's not common. It, it's regularly, it's it, it's what's going to happen. Amen. But, but, but when we believe and have the spirit of Christ and trusting in him, that we will not be overtaken by that thing. We will not be drawn into it by that thing. Whatever that temptation might be, we have the power to resist. Huh? You have the power to resist. So nor is any temptation unusual or beyond human resistance. There's nothing greater beyond his resistance, huh? He said, but God is faithful to his word. He is compassionate and trustworthy, and he will not. Oh, come on. I love this part. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability to resist. Hallelujah, that's if you believe it. If, to resist. But along with the temptation, he has the past and is now. huh? Has in the past and is now. Meaning he, he's done it before, he'll do it again. Will always provide, watch this, the way out as well so that you will be able to endure it without yielding, see, without falling into it, and will overcome temptation We joy, with joy. Don't you understand if you're a believer and you're not believer, you need to become a believer. So all the things in the world that you're facing, all of the substance and all of the temptations, all of the things and the desires of this flesh that we're facing with, that when you're a believer and you're trusting God and you're allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you to guide you, somewhere in the Bible of Proverbs to tell us, to acknowledge the Lord in all thy ways and he shall direct our path. He'll show which way to go, what to do, when to do, how to do it, what not to do when temptation shows up. Even when it shows up, you're going to face it, but he will give you the strength to stand and you will not fall in the midst of adversity when you believe him. And now the flip side of this is if you are not a believer and all of the things of the adversary that he uses against us today in this world according to the desires of our flesh see he he can't appeal to the spirit so he has He he has to uh, appeal to the desires of the flesh. Why? Because he knows that the flesh is of a sinful nature. And it's drawn to all of the corruptible things in this world. Why do we have chaotic and chaos in this world that we have today that's growing rapidly? Because people are living after the desires of their flesh. They're living after the desires of the flesh. Hatred unforgiveness, bitterness, you know, and, 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 and addictions and all of the bad habit and everything that's going on, murdering and killing and all that. These are the desires of the flesh. And we have drawn away of it, in it, of ourselves because we have not, truly position ourselves. I'm talking about those that are not believers. They say they believe with their mouth, but I'm talking about being converted and born again. That's what I shared with you at the first start of this thing, to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Not this thing, just go to church and just be on a church road. We're not talking about this. It's good to be there on church on church road. That's fine and good, but you better have the equipment, your ticket and everything to go along with it. There's a lot of people at the ball game, but they ain't on the field. Do you understand? A lot of people watching the game, but they're not playing the game. A lot of people at an attendance of the game, but they don't know how to play the game. They don't know what to score and they watch watching stuff. They don't even understand. But here today in the world that we live in, Jesus is trying to give us direction while we're sitting on the pews to understand that if you get into the game, that there are things that you're going to have to face and there are rules and regulations that you got to understand that when you're on the field fighting against the adversary and his temptations, you're going to have to have the word of God in order to give you the strength to Overcome the worldly temptation and desires of your flesh. That means over you. Hallelujah. Over you. And the problem with people today, they can't get over themselves. I know what I'm saying because the Bible says you can go to 2 uh, Timothy chapter 3 and 1 and it'll tell you that. It'll tell you that in the last and perilous time, in the last day, perilous time shall come that men will become lovers of self. <laughs> lovers of self. Proud. Boastful. You know, unthankful. Unholy. All that good stuff. You'll find it. You'll find you'll find that you're lost without Jesus. And when you look in the mirror and recognize, see, it's one one somebody you don't need to lie to. And you need to recognize this. It is yourself. You need to recognize that stop trying to lie to you when you take you everywhere you go. You can't get rid of you. You can't throw you away. You can't run from you. You can't hide from you. I don't care how much you drink. I don't care how much you smoke. I don't care how much pleasure that you entice or indulge in. You will not lose you. So what you will have to do is face you, who you are, in the midst of all of the things of this world that you have to deal with to recognize that I have no power over myself without Jesus. And so what we're going to recognize here in another scripture before we end out is in St. John 16 and 33. And Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. He said in the world, You have tribulation and distress and suffering. He says, but be courageous. In other words, be confident, be undaunted. Be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding. And the closing of my remarks today in the message. If you want to overcome yourself, If you want to overcome life, if you want to overcome the things in this world, then you're going to have to turn it over to Jesus. You're going to have to realize that it's Jesus that you need in your life. And you're going to have to realize that in order to choose Jesus in your life, you're going to have to drop that old silly pride that you have and allow him to be in your life. You're going to have to let him be the one in your life. you got to understand that it's time to give you away. Give you away. Turn it over to Jesus. Turn it over to him right now. Turn it over to him. Let him have his perfect work in your life today. Stop feeling like you got everything figured out. You got it all fixed when you don't. Because one thing that we can be assured of, we don't have it all figured out. We never will. And we don't have it all fixed. The only way that we're going to be able to make it and and sustain the temptations and the things of this life as I've just spoken today, you're going to have to give yourself to Jesus. You're gonna have to give him all of you, not some of you, not part of you, not not the not the part that you want to give him. You got to give him the part that hurts to give him. <laughs> that part that hurts to give him is shutting down that old pride. It's hard when you're arrogant, You're hard-hearted when you're stiff-necked when you think you know it all. When you're looking in the mirror, you have vain beauty in your eyes of yourself, feeling as if you have this and that or you're all of that and more when not realizing you're nothing. You're nothing. We are nothing without Jesus. You see, you say, Pastor, you're being pretty cruel, but in order to sustain the life and accept the life of Christ and, and be a true believer, you got to be hard on you. You got to be hard on yourself. You can't play a pity party with you. You can't be soft on you. If you're not hard on you, why? why how is it that you can be hard on somebody else, but you can't be hard on yourself? But you can't. You can't put yourself through the exercise of discipline of transforming your life into a spiritual growth and spirituality that you need from Jesus Christ. But you want somebody else to do it, but you don't want to put yourself through it. It's a lot of work in seeking Jesus. a lot of work living for Jesus. a lot of work trusting Jesus. It's a lot of work and a lot of pain. In this world, he said, distress and suffering. And so when you're in this world with distress and suffering, he's already said, even though it's there, the temptation of it will not overtake you because I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So aren't you tired of waiting and figuring and trying to understand what it is you must do? Aren't you tired of looking all around, trying to find the answer to all your problems when when the answer to all your problems is right in front of you? And that's Jesus. The Bible says he has already, and we read that in Romans, it already given each one of us a portion of faith. In other words, we were built with a measure of faith inside of us. But that faith has to be activated. It's like having a bank card that, that, that's in your pocket. But if you haven't called and activated the card, the number is on it and, and signed in with a new PIN number, then it does you no good. So if your faith has not been activated by the power of Jesus or in the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with his precious holy Spirit for the remission of your sins and, and and ask for forgiveness of sins and, and been born again then you just have a, you just have a card in your hand that has to, that have not been activated that faith has not been activated the faith is just something something thing that hope for and the evidence that of things that are not seen if the faith is invisible in how you walk can live for Jesus to become a believer. That's what it's all about. Trusting who you cannot see with a hope of glory with what you see right before you. And you got to be really, really ready and able to trust in him. Don't you want to trust in him today? Don't you want to trust in him today? You ought to be ready right now. You ought to be ready right now. There's a song saying in the background. This day that the Lord has made, let us all rejoice, be thankful, and be glad in it. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. In your Bibles today, in the book of First Thessalonians, Chapter 5, we want to talk to you about Thanksgiving. This is the fullness of the weekend of Thanksgiving. I know that it was on the other day of Thursday, but we're still blessing God with Thanksgiving on today. So in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, in verses 16 down to verses 18, we want to share a true word of Thanksgiving on today. We want you to understand that the meaning of Thanksgiving is not to celebrate in such a way of alcoholism, drugs, entertainment, and all of those things. They're fine for the desires of the flesh. But we're talking about Thanksgiving from the heart and the spirit. To worship, to praise, and to glorify the Almighty God. In the name of Jesus. Somebody ought to thank him this morning. And in your Bible it says in 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 6 it says. I mean 5 excuse me. Chapter 5 verses 16 it says. Rejoice always. Always. Not sometimes. But always. Always. Rejoice. Always give him thanks. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. Be focused. Be steady. Be accurate. Be consistent in praying. Not sometime, not part of the time, not every now and then. But through all things, through whatever is happening, whenever it's happening, however it's happening, where it's happening, what time it's happening, always be praying. Be praying in verse 18, in every situation, no matter what the circumstances, but be thankful and continually give thanks to God. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Don't you understand? Giving him thanksgiving in prayer. The first thing we ought to do when we go on our knees and pray and whatever time you set aside and how you pray is that first you should be giving him thanks. First you should be acknowledging him for what he's doing and thanking him for what he has done. And thanking him for what he's going to do. Because he can see the future and we cannot. Thanking God, no matter how vain, but in everything I say, rejoice. Rejoice in the praise. Rejoice always. Delight yourself in your faith. In your faith. It's going to take your faith to trust in Jesus the measure of faith that he has given everyone, and everyone has a measure of faith, and in order for that faith to be active, activated, you're going to have to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And unless that word is preached and preached by God, man sent by God, the messenger to share the word of God with you, your faith will be weak, and your confidence will be slow and lacking. Amen. So the word of God is important that we share it in our lives, every day of our life, even in your own spare time, not just when you show up at church, not just when you go to Bible study or whenever the time that you enter into the house of thanksgiving the courts with praise, amen, but it needs to be an everyday service of your life. And so many people feel as though that the only time that God needs to get the glory and get the thanksgiving is every now and then when they throw up and show up into the church doors. And 99% of the time now, people will only show up in the house of God only on occasions. What if the Lord only graced? You on occasion. What if the law was only merciful to you. Only on occasion. What if the law were only kind to you. Only on occasion. Why or how. What would you do or what could you do. Or where would you be. Good God almighty. But because of his. Omnipotent, his magnificent, his omnipresent, his magnifying, his greatness, overwhelming love that he have for all of us. He doesn't slack in his mercifulness. He doesn't slack in his gracefulness. He doesn't slack in his love and kindness. He's not slack in any of that. But we are a kind of people. We have a problem and an issue. Of... Not realizing, hearing what thus said the Lord. Amen. So how is it that we can go through life in every day and wait until a particular time in the year and just realize and just think about Thanksgiving? The Thanksgiving is not just that one day out of the year. It's every day of our lives. Amen. And we need to recognize that, yes, this message is important, very important to each and every one of us. It's important that we recognize and realize what time it is in our lives to trust God, to lean and depend on him, to recognize the thing that he has already done in our lives and the thing that he is doing in our lives. And he is the one that gave him himself, his life for us, that we might have a chance and an opportunity at eternal life. Going to church is not just a situation like going to work, it's going to the job and looking for a, a, a reward or payment or blessing. That's not the purpose for church. Church is to go and hear the word and find something wrong with inside of you and give him some praise for what he done. Give him thanksgiving for what he's doing and what he's going to do. And then to acknowledge your sin before him and recognize that you need him in your life each and every day. This is not a part-time matter. This is not a half-time matter. But this is an all-time matter. It's two, it's two things that I do know that we must do at all times, and that is repent and ask for forgiveness of sins and to worship and praise and magnify the name of the Lord. If you don't do anything else, those two things you ought to have on at the top of your agenda in recognizing the Lord, the Lord our God. And I hope that he's your God and if he is your God then you would praise him you would magnify him you would lift him up you would give him the glory and you would give him all the praise somebody ought to thank him this morning amen and so here in first chronicles chapter 16 and verse 34 says this amen it says this. We're at our scriptures today. Our first scripture that we began, in case someone missed, was First Thessalonians, chapter five, verse sixteen, down to verse eighteen. And the verse of scripture where we are right now, we're in 1 Chronicles, in verse in chapter sixteen and verse thirty-four. Amen. It's where we came from in the verse of scripture of giving him thanks. Giving God thanks, Amen. So again, here in First Chronicles, in chapter sixteen and verse thirty-four, and as I was mentioning to you about giving Him thanks, and look what the writer says here. First Chronicles sixteen and thirty-four. I'm repeating so everybody would remember or hear it, and if they didn't get it, Amen. So he says, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good." Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Don't you listen to the verse very carefully. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. And it almost sounds as if when the writer says, oh, give thanks, don't forget about giving him thanks daily in your life. You know, sometimes we pretend to forget something and we come back and somebody we get ready to remind them. So you say, oh, oh. And it's like, oh, I forgot about that. Well, here the writer, I would, would say in your understanding to make it simple for you, is what I've just said, that, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Don't forget to give him thanks. Don't forget to give him thanks every day of your life, every morning that you awake, every morning that you rise out of your beds, every morning that he allows you to breathe again, see again, walk, talk, have the activity of your limbs, and all of the above. Amen. Why is it that I should give for he is good? Not only he is good, because he is God. Amen. Amen. Why? Because for his love and kindness endureth forever. His loving kindness lasts forever. His loving kindness has no end to it. There's no end to how much God loves us. There's no end to how much He loves, put up with us, endures from us, go through with us, deal with us. And put up with, 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 with sacrifice and put up with suffering and put up with uh, 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 long suffering about all of the disobedience, all the hard hearted, all the stiff neck, all of the things that we do that causes issues in the life that could if he made up his mind to decide to destroy mankind. He have a lot of reasons to be able to do it, but because of the love, because of the love that he has for us this magnificent love that he have for us. It allows him to continue to be endurance or be merciful to us each day of our life. Look around us. Look at the murdering and the killing. Look at the hatred and the racism and all of the stuff and all of the things that are being done right before our very eyes. And yet God is long suffering and he could speak a word at any given time and fix all things with an instant. But he... He decided that when he died, when he came as a form of flesh and lived in the flesh as a human being and became who in the name of Jesus Christ is and gave us a chance, the opportunity to be the one to be able to make the decisions in our lives. To be able to make the free will decisions in our lives. So if there's something happened or happened or were to happen to you, you can't blame, you can't blame anyone. It's your own fault. If you die and your soul be lost, it's nobody's fault but your own. You can't blame anybody. And so while you have a, an opportunity, while the blood is running warm through your veins, you might as well to give him praise, give him some worship, give him some thanksgiving. Acknowledge him in all thy way that he shall direct your path. It's too many, it's too many, oh, let me rephrase it this way. It's too much hypocrisy in the world today. Yes, it is. Everybody say they love God. Everybody say they believe God. But then when you look at their actions and their attitudes and, their, and, and and everything around their lifestyle, the thing that they do does not exemplify holiness, does not exemplify love, does not simplify caring, does not exemplify a, 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 a repentance. It does not exemplify forgiveness and all of that. It exemplifies selfishness, and God is not of a selfish endurance in his life. Or in his love. He's not in that. Amen. And Colossians chapter 3. Amen. And he says something like this. In verse 15. He says this. He says let the peace. Let the peace of Christ. The intercom of one who walks daily with him. See, the, the, the one that walks daily with him. They say that they are a servant, been born again, and been baptized, and been filled with the Holy Ghost, and filled with his spirit, and guided, and directed. He said, let the peace of Christ, the intercom of the one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts. What is that? What is that? Meaning deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members in one body, meaning of one of all believers, and be thankful to God always. Always, not sometimes, always. Always. And here when we look around in the world today, People are so arrogant, and so cocky, and so stiff-necked, and so hard-hearted, so rebellious, huh? So disinterested, so nonchalant, so so unconcerned, not even concerned for their own well-being. Good God Almighty. And here you thought Thanksgiving was a day to turn on the secular music to drink all of the alcohol beverages that you can drink to lay out and lay out with as many individual men or women as you possibly can Or find that perfect person that you thought that you've been trying to get with all year and all and do that and celebrate. That does not celebrate God. That does not glorify God. That does not magnify him. That does not lift him up. I'm here to tell you. I'm here to sound the alarm. Everything that we've been doing on the day of Thanksgiving, if it hasn't been worship and praise and true worship and praise from the heart is vain glory. And it does not give God any glory at all until we start to change our ways and our mindset. And I believe this, that on a day of thanksgiving should be a day of nothing but worship and praise all day long. Nothing but giving God thanks. We ought to be on our knees. We ought to be worshiping him, lifting our Him. Everywhere you turn, you ought to be seeing people lifting up, praising God, giving him thanksgiving, that they're not dead, that the coronavirus haven't taken them out. And after all that we have gone through this last year, Still people's minds and their heads are stiff-necked and hard-hearted and can't believe and don't believe, don't want to believe and don't want to see that people are dying all around you right now. And you don't see how close death is at your door, knocking at yours and my door. And you still don't have the mindset to give God the true thanksgiving he deserves. The true Thanksgiving he deserves. I'm talking about some partying and some entertainment and all that. I'm talking about magnifying the name of the Lord magnifying the name of the Lord, and then I know that in the back of your mind, oh, they're doing it. Oh, you know, we ought to do this. Well. No, the Bible says to worship Him with all your heart, with all thy might, with all the mind, and all your strength to give Him the glory. Worship Him always. Give Him praise and thanksgiving always, no matter what the situation. I don't care if you're sore, you're hurting, you're aching, your body aching. You don't have enough money. You don't. You're not where you want to be. You don't have the house, the car, the home. You want to be. You ought to be giving him some glory and some thanksgiving. And if you did that, your situation might just change. Good God Almighty, it might just change. But here we have selfishness within ourselves. Let me tell you, believers, something. This gospel is not just for us. This message is not just for us. It's for every human being that would have an ear to hear. And the reason I say that, and sometimes the church folk, the believers get beside themselves and go to church as if they're the only one that's supposed to be there. The door of the church is open to all human beings, every person, every individual, no matter what color, race, sexual creed, origin that they are, it's open to them. And when they come in, it should be a thing that the word convicts you if you have sin or if you're practicing sin in your life. No, you're not supposed to go to church and everything's supposed to feel good. No, you're supposed to go to church and the word's supposed to convict you and convince you that there's something wrong in this human flesh. and that recognize that without God's blessing and his grace and his mercy, you wouldn't be there. So now it's time that you will recognize him and give him some thanksgiving. Give him some thanksgiving. 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 The world has deceived you with the activities of entertainment, enjoyment, pleasures, of this world, and not recognizing God for who he is, you can't turn the corner, the street corners, and somebody playing all this obnoxious music, and none of it, none of it, is glorifying God, I'm talking about glorifying God, I'm talking about glorifying yourself, now you think because you turn up this or turn up that or those things of the world, that those things that you're pleasing God, that you are exemplifying him, that you glorifying him on that day? No, you're not. You glorify yourself. You're not glorifying Jesus. Jesus get glorified. The Bible says they that worship him must worship him in spirit. Spirit and in truth, not with a bottle, not with the television, and not with all of the other activities that you do or have done or that you're practicing. As a matter of fact, on that day you should turn everything else off, shut everything else down, and your day should not be nothing but giving him worship, giving him glory, giving him praise. And I know this dispensation of time, people don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear this type of message. Because see, it's too many people are going around just just giving you the tickle of fancy messages and not preaching you word that will convict you or convince you that it's time to turn away from your wicked way and turn to some true willingness of thanksgiving and giving God the glory which you've not been doing all these days. You only, you only do it on convenience time, when things happen to you, and then you finally come out Now nice, it's all of a sudden it's okay to give God the glory. I'm talking about giving him glory when nothing's wrong. I'm talking about giving him glory when things are bad. I'm talking about giving him glory, just like the writer said, in all circumstances, in every situation, no matter what going on, just because you lost a loved one, you think feeling sad and my whining and all that's going to fix anything you're worried about if you're you lost your husband or your daughter, or your son or your wife and all that, and you're feeling sad, that's going to make God feel any better. No, you ought to turn it over to Jesus and give him some glory, give him some thanksgiving, give him some magnification, worship him, and all of that feeling of things that you're missing, that hurt and that pain on the inside, just might go away. Or it just may change. It just might change. Somebody ought to say amen. In Second Corinthians, chapter nine, verse eleven, the writer says something like this: "To the ones that recognize the Lord and that will lift Him up, so you will be enriched in every way, so that you may be generous." In this generosity administered through us is producing thanksgiving to God from those who benefit. This is Paul is letting them know because you're doing the thing that you need to do for for God, for him, to magnify him. And even in your giving and the thing that you do in that way, this is also another way of producing thanksgiving unto him. See, there's a lot of ways that we can be thankful unto him and showing him that we appreciate him by doing the things that the word of God tells us to do. And so many times we fall short of those things. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 here, we're going to get ready to read to you here something else. But in my getting to that scripture, that we need to stop living this old haphazard life. Stop living this old part-time life. This old hypocrisy. See, I was saying it nice, so I'll put it this way. Stop living this old hypocritical life. Jesus even said when he was here, he walked this earth. He let us know. Human beings know. He let us know. He said, you speak a lot of good things with your mouth. Nice, kind, swelling words with your mouth. And this is the same thing, even though we're in a modern, more modern world, more technological world and all of the things that have changed as far as the substance and the things that we use and the provisions that we have and stuff like that. But the sin and the disobedience and the hard hearted and the stiff neck is still the same. It's still the same. And he says, you know, you say a lot of stuff. You pretend a lot of stuff with your mouth. You act like a certain way in pretentiousness. But your heart is far from me. Your heart is not even in it. Your whole human being in it. You ought to ask yourself this morning. When I go to pray and praise God, is my heart all the way in it? Am I really giving myself to him? Am I really acknowledging him in all my ways, that he might direct my path? Or is it grace and mercy? You know what? Grace and mercy might just be the one that directed your path sometimes. Not even you that acknowledging God, but because of his great magnificent love can allow you the chance, the second chance and the opportunity that is the thing that might be directing your path. That means giving you another opportunity to get it right, to get it right. But when you acknowledge the Lord in all that way and let him direct your path, then that means you would give him the glory. You give him the true thanksgiving. He deserved right off the top, right at the beginning of everything. As I've said before, at the top of my message, when you begin to pray, you shouldn't be coming to begging God for stuff. And this is the problem we have. We're always getting on our knees begging to God. We need a new job. We need a new car. We need a new house. We need this. Our finances need to be built up. We need this. We need a husband. We need a wife. We need this. We need all of this. And all the things we always want, 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 want. But when do we ever give, 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 give? When do we give? And I know some. Oh, I give this and I give that. And that. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about materialistic substances. I'm talking about when do we give ourselves wholeheartedly to Jesus? Because see, when you give your whole heart, all of your being to Jesus when you give all of that to Jesus, something's going to change in your life, something new going to happen in your life, new direction, new thoughts, new walk, new ways of avenue, new gratitude, an attitude of gratitude and all of that, not all this obnoxiousness and mean and hateful and bitterness and frustration and all of these things that we see and we uh, uh, see all around us all over the world, and my God, my God, there will probably be a lot of changing and a lot of sickness and illness and disease and everything, We, we would more and more give true thanksgiving and I I'm correct, because somewhere in 1 Corinthians 7 and 11 saying something about, if my people would call, would humble themselves and call, uh, uh, call my name and seek my face and hear from heaven for, and forgive them of sin, and then they would heal, he would heal, he would cause, the Spirit of God would cause his spirit to heal the land. Heal the land. Heal the land. The land can't get healed because there's too much sin in the world. There's too much sin in the world, and there's too much hatred in the world. Watch what First Timothy, watch what he says here. First Timothy chapter 4 and verses 4 and 5, watch this right here. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 4 and 5, watch this. He said, for everything God has created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified, set apart, dedicated to God by means of the word of God and prayer. In other words, no matter what you do, what you have, what you give, whatever, if you do it under the glory of magnifying God, it would be for a good purpose. And when the prayer is prayed over And I know in this thing, particular time, was speaking of the eating and all of the provision and the different things that they was trying to separate and understand what was good and what was bad and what was not even what people shouldn't do and should do. But here, I just want to emulate here to you about the trueness of Thanksgiving of who you are, and by your whole being and your physical being, to give it over to Jesus, to be grateful and to acknowledge, to give yourself to Him even though that we live in a sinful flesh, but it was still good. We, I, I, I heard, You heard me say a long time ago, one of the songwriters put a song out and he says, uh, we are the worst and best that he has created. Thank God. Thank God for the writer and the songwriter of that. Those are his words, not mine. But I just like that phrase that he mentioned. And we thank God for that, that it is wonderful that we understand that we can be the worst and the best that he's created because we have the opportunity, we have the chance to make sure that we can establish ourselves and be in the right standards with God. But when do we recognize? When do we recognize that we are the problem? When do we recognize that? When do we recognize we are the problems? We're the ones that causing the issues, not God. God is not doing anything to us. As a matter of fact, he's doing everything for us to try to save us, to try to rescue us. He's done everything, and now he's continuing doing everything. After all, he came and died, lived and died, and sacrificed his own life in a human flesh to prove his love, and yet we've not given anything and we can't even give ourselves back to him and we can't even give him a little bit of just some thanksgiving and glory and worship and praise all our the time got we got we got to give it for ourselves but he gets the smallest or the least amount of time, and we don't give him enough. And yet we think, out of all of that credibility of the little bit that we give him, that when we start calling on him for every blessing that we can name or think of, he's supposed to just drop it out of the sky right in our laps with no problems. That's what we think. That's that's the way we think. We human beings think that way. But that's foolish thinking. And we're going to be sorry one day. Watch what Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And down to verse 7. And he tells us this. He tells us this. He says, do not be anxious or worried about anything. You see that? Do not be anxious or worried about anything. He says, but in everything. Which means in every circumstance and situation. Here we go again. Every circumstance and situation. He says, now by prayer and petition with giving thanks with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific request known to God. Let me read that again. I love this right here. Man, I love this verse right here. Do not be anxious or worried about anything. That's when you believe, you truly trust God. And even if you're unbelieving, you need to to start to adopt this mindset and then to move into the era of what God wants you to be, okay? Do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, everything, and watch, and then he breaks it down. He said, in every circumstance, in every situation, every circumstance, every situation, stop boo-hooing and crying about your circumstance and situation and start giving God some thanksgiving, Uh Huh? (laughs) <laughs> he said, but by prayer and the petition, listen to what he said, but by prayer and the petition with thanksgiving, in other words, before you start asking for anything, your first petition to him is to give him thanks. I know you've been going about it all wrong for a lot of years. You ought to admit that. You ought to admit that I've been praying backwards all year, or all my life. And I know he told you about the Lord's Prayer. And if you go back and quote the Lord's Prayer, you will understand what it says. You will see that that even in the Lord's Prayer, that he gives thanks before he begins to ask for anything. All you got to do is listen to it. He says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. See, already giving him thanks right there why Why you say he's giving thanks he didn't mention the word thanks don't have to mention the word thanksgiving because he recognized the individual when he prayed that prayer he recognized that God is the almighty the omnipotent the omnipresent of everything that's what he recognized but here before we close this thing out he said but do not be anxious and worried about anything but in everything in every circumstance and situation but by prayer petition 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 with thanksgiving and then And then, then continue to make your specific requests known to God. You see here. Then, and the peace of God, that verse 7, and the peace of God, which will, the peace which reassures the heart, that peace, which means, which transcends all understanding. All what you don't understand, the peace will take care of the understanding. That the peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Don't you understand? Don't you understand? It's time. It's time that you give him the true thanksgiving he deserves. Aren't you ready today? Aren't you ready today? Amen. Aren't you ready to give him thanks? Aren't you ready? Don't you want to give him thanks today? Let's start today by giving ourselves to him. Let's start by giving him ourselves. By magnifying his name, by giving up. Given up us, Given up who Jesus undefeated. I want to let you know that he cannot lose. He will not lose. He have never lost and he will not lose now. Amen. So we want to just throw this thought here within you before your mindset today. We have a sinful nature. The Bible makes it clear that sin is pervasive in our world. That word pervasive means that it is spreading all around. It's all over the world, everywhere. And ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, every human has been born of a natural propensity to sin. This this can be easily proven by asking parents, which is harder? teaching kids to do bad or to do good. Most parents will testify that doing bad comes naturally to their children, but children must be taught to do good. And just in case anyone would try to pretend the exemption from the natural inclination to sin, the writers of the scriptures repelled that notion. Paul famously wrote this here. He says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. Another New Testament writer rebuked those who claim perfection, saying, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if we say that we have not sinned, we make a liar and his word is not in us. That's 1 John 1 and 8 and 10. The truth can easily be seen by observing some of the spiritual giants in scripture, like Moses, Abraham, David, Paul, and Peter, all had moments when they participated in a horrendous sin, and which even included adultery. However, within the tragedy of their stories of sin also lies hope for us. If those individuals could confess their sin, repent, and be restored, then so can we. Amen. Amen. So that's what I want to let you know this morning, even in sin, or by the abusiveness or the trap of sin, of all of that, that Jesus is undefeated. Amen. Jesus is undefeated no matter what odds, no matter what it comes against you. Praise. We magnify your holy name, Lord, and we thank you right now. So here in the book of Revelations, Uh, chapter 21, amen, and verse 4 tells us this, and he says this, let me have to read three in order to gain the understanding of this, amen, hallelujah, and it says, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, arrayed like a bride, adorned, 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 adorned for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be death. There will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying or pain. For the former order of things has passed away. Can't you see, when you choose Jesus, everything will be all right. Amen, amen, hallelujah, amen. The scriptures that I'm reading and beginning with you today, I started with Mark 16, verses 6 and 7, and I've just finished reading Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, amen. Amen. That's what my beginning of this message started with. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. So as we move forward in this message of undefeated, Jesus undefeated. Amen. We want to help you to understand what life is and what it is all about. To fulfill life consists of service, hardship, opposition, pain, and suffering. That's what's going on with life today. That's what it is about in life today. And so if we're expecting to live a life without pain, without any hardship, without any trouble, without any opposition, then we might as well wake up and think again. Amen. Because that hardship and that all of that is going to happen. Amen. Amen. All of those things are going to happen and see, amen, what is going on in your life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God that he is a glorious God and that he's a wonderful God and he's a loving God. That he will not turn his back on us and see that we can be saved, we can be healed, and we can be delivered if we desire. But we have to choose. We have to choose. We have to choose. Ye this day. Who is it that we want to serve? Do we want to serve God or do we want to serve the pleasures of this world? We live in a world that things and the lust of the eyes will get you in trouble We'll speak about that on the next term Hallelujah the lingering eyes that draws in temptation and when it and when, when the temptation is drawn in and you look at it too long then sin will be committed Somebody say amen, hallelujah amen. So, but in your book of Mark, in the book of Mark, chapter 8, amen, chapter 8 and verse 35, we just want to hit some word with you today about Jesus is undefeated. So, if Jesus is undefeated, and then if you're trusting in him, then you don't have to worry about being defeated by the opposition or being defeated by the affairs and the trials and the tribulations in life. If you long as you trust Jesus and lean and depend on him. But you've got to realize in order for it all to come together and work, repentance has to step in and be the first thing that you do in your life. I don't know why it is in this dispensation of time. We feel like or we've gotten to the place that repentance is not important anymore. But I beg to differ to you today, Repentance is the number one priority for becoming a Christian, for becoming part of the life of Jesus Christ and being able to face all of the hardship and all of the opposition and all of the suffering and all of the pain that you're going to go through. Rest assured, you are going to go through some kind of hardship, some kind of opposition, some kind of pain, and some kind of a suffering. Amen. Amen. You're going to go through it. Amen. But in the book of Mark chapter 8 and verse 35, we want to say this to you in chapter 8 and verse 30, 35, and he says something like this. Amen. In Mark, this is the confession of Christ and all of that. So he says this in verse 35 in the book of Mark. He said, for whoever wishes to save his life in this world, this is very important right here, will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake and the gospels will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. Don't you understand that if you're living in this world for the world, and if you're living in this world for yourself, selfishly, pridefully, arrogantly, and vainfully, with your look and all of that kind of stuff, the proud look. And all of that kind of stuff, you have already lost your life. That's a life of darkness. And Jesus came that we would have life more abundantly. We have already read, told you the scripture of 323, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none of us that have been freed from not having sin in our lives. But what we want you to understand this morning, that as long as you live and trust and have confidence and lean and depend on Jesus, but you've got to put him first. You've got to put him at the top of your priority list. Your stuff, your things, yourself, your children, your husband, your dog, your cat, no matter whatever it is, cannot come before Jesus. He he has to be at the top of your list. The Bible tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Everything before him, anything before him will not work. it will not work so eight and thirty five lets us know for whoever wishes to save his life. In other words, you think you're here to live in this world forever for the thing that's around you? And I'm sorry, to sad to say that I look around today as so many people walk around arrogantly, puffed up, with their chest stuck out and the head raised high because of whatever thing or substance they may have in their possession, make them feel like they are all of that with a pridefulness, not realizing that they have already lost. They are already in darkness. Unless, unless they recognize that they can come to the throne of grace and repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness of their sins. And you see, I want you to understand something about repentance. Repentance is not just to say, I'm sorry, and then just walk away and go on about your very routine of your day. But you have to repent to the point that where your heart and your mind, it changes. And then you have to replace your activity and your way of life with righteousness, not the same ways, not the same format that you just walked away from. You can't go back to the same thing, do the same thing and carry on the same way and expect through repentance that God will forgive you. And you're still carrying your, the activities of your life the way you were doing before. That's not going to work. You're going to have to replace it with something good, something great in the work and the life for Jesus Christ. That's what you're going to have to do. You have to give up this life. You see, in order to have life, you got to give one up. In order to have life eternal, you can't hold on to this life. In order to experience the eternal life, in order for this life that you leave to give up to extend life eternally, you're going to have to give it up which means you've got to give up anything that you're holding on to in this world. This is why Jesus came. He lived and he died and he went down into the gates of hell and the realm of death to prove that he broken the wells of power of death over that he had submitted to of dying. And he rose again on the third day that we might be able to live again. And we might be able to live again we got to give up this life with him he submitted to the point of death then defeated death he paved the way for all people to find eternal life that's what he did that's why he's undefeated there's no sickness there's no illness there's no starvation there's no corruptness, there is nothing in this world. And he experienced temptation just like you and I in the fleshly body. But he proved he proved that he could withstand, and he let us know that if we allow him and the Spirit to connect with ours and to revive us by the Holy Spirit, with a renewness of life. That with the power that he give us in trusting and believing in him, that we can also overcome the temptations and the tragedies and the pain and the opposition of life. Why? Because he said, he said, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Do you not know that is one of the most powerful statements that you could ever imagine? Jesus is letting us know that he will never leave us alone. And so how is it that we always leave him alone? Why is it that we shut the door on him? Why is it that every day, each hour, each moment, each second, that he gives us a chance to be able to revive ourselves through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, And have the power to overcome all of the temptations, all of the seducing spirits of this life, of this world. That we can overcome by the spirit of Christ if we allow him to live in us. And the only way that he's going to come in and live inside of you is you're going to have to get rid of that old dark, dreary heart. You're going to have to let him replace that heart with a heart of flesh. A heart of love, a heart of kindness, a lot, a heart of joy, a heart of peace. And I know some of you say, well, I have that. No, you don't. Because when you have love, joy, and peace, and happiness, and meekness, and temperance, and all of that, there's two commandments that let us know what we got, the love of God in our heart, And the two commandments are when he said, to love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your mind, with all your strength. I mean, with everything you got. And then he says on the second one, he says, to love your brother or your neighbor, which simply means to love people like you love yourself. And he says, all of the other commandments, these two they are based on and based off these two commandments right here, and so if we go through the other commandments about thou shalt not kill thou shalt not steal that thou shalt not bear witness against thy neighbor thou shalt not commit adultery, and all that thou shalt not uh, uh, uh cover thy neighbor's ox and ass and all those different things and all the stuff that he has, then those two right there cover everything without even having to mention all of those things. And if you can't do those two two right there, number one, you can't love God without loving people. You can't be obedient to his word without loving God. You cannot not steal, not kill, not hate, not do anything without loving God. If you love God, you can't hate at the same time. You can't do both of them. That's the reason Jesus came when he said, choose ye this day whom you shall serve. God or mammon? Which one are you going to serve, brothers and sisters? Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve you, yourself, your flesh in this world? Are you ready to serve Jesus? Are you really ready to impart your life to Jesus Christ? And the evidence will show if you are really, really ready to turn your life over to Jesus. The evidence is ready to show. And Jesus let us know, I've already defeated Satan. I've already put him behind. Remember when Jesus was brought up to the top of the mountain and Satan tried to tempt him to tell him what he would give him? And the only thing that Satan was appealing to, because he couldn't appeal to the power of God through Jesus, he was trying to appeal to the weakness of his flesh. Because he knew he had been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. And he knew that being in a human body, and when you put it through that kind of of a measurement in life, he knows that you're going to be weak. And it looks like anything that you see, you would be willing to give it up to have it. But not Jesus. Look at Jesus telling him, Satan, thou Get thee behind thee, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And you know the greatest thing I like about in that uh, scripture is that when he told Satan that you, Satan, yourself, the God Almighty, you got to serve me. You got to worship me. You don't have no power over me. How you going to give me something that already belongs to me? Hallelujah. I'm trying to tell you this morning, there is nothing in this world that no one can do. There is nothing in this world that no one can give you but Jesus. No one has the power like Jesus. No one, no one, no one. Satan can try to influence you, influence you through your weaknesses, but he does not have the power to overcome. He has to get permission from Jesus himself to do anything that he does hallelujah, hallelujah and so the addictions and the habits the thing that you're trapped in in this life of this world is because of the works of the flesh the flesh the flesh is weak, the bible says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Your flesh will always be weak. It will always be weak. The flesh will never have the power to overcome itself. That's why you have to have the spirit of Christ working in you to overcome your flesh. To discipline your flesh. Why do you think Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights always praying and fasting? Because he knew of and understood of the weakness that was in that human nature body that he lived in. He knew that. He knew that. And he knew through fasting and praying. Always seeking the will of the Father. The Spirit of God that already dwelled within him in order for him to seek that purpose for the father, for the father. The El Shaddai, the El Elyon, the Elohim, the Jehovah Jireh, the Jehovah Nisi, the Jehovah Rapha, the Jehovah Sitkanu, all of those great names that God has that recognizes his omnipotence, his omnipresence, and his omniscience of everything, that he is the first, that he is the last, he is the beginning, he is the ending, he is the everything. He is the very essence of life. The very essence of life. So the life that you live in this world is really not your life. It's a life that's been given to you. It's a prize that's been given to you so that you can give it back to him. Have you not really ever thought about it? You ought to give it back to him. But instead, people are living in a world as if they own the life that they breathe in these bodies. And they have no control over it. So if you had so much control over your body and everything that's in it and everything was happening to it, you would never get sick. You would never have to see the doctors. But 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 it's not like that, huh? So you have to go to doctor. You have to call on somebody when these bodies start breaking down, when stuff start happening, you need some help. That ought to tell you right there in your everyday life that you think that you can make it without Jesus, you are sadly mistaken. If you're thinking that you can get to heaven without repenting, you're sadly mistaken. The Bible said no man can enter the kingdom of God unless. Unless you repent, unless you be converted, unless you be born again. you didn't say unless you go to church. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Now that statement may sound like I'm kicking against church. No, I'm not kicking against church. What I'm trying to get you brothers and sisters to understand you, you're going to church is just a reasonable service. And unless you're going there I challenge you. Yes, I challenge anyone from the pulpit to the back door. I challenge you. I challenge you to have a mindset to go to church to serve and worship Jesus. I challenge you. The Bible says this. They that must worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you're going there for any other reasons, if you're listening to this message for any other reason or for it to be entertained or to feel good, but I'm sorry to tell you, I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm not here so you can just enjoy. I'm not here for none of that. I'm here to preach a word of convincing and conviction God's word has to convict your spirit, your flesh, to let you know that there's things that's wrong that's working inside of you that you have to repent for, they have, and you have to do this daily. Let me help you understand something also. Repentance is a daily thing, it's an everyday thing because we sin without even realizing it. So repentance is a daily thing thing and replacing that repentance of doing good is a daily thing. It's not to one and not a one Sunday, one week, one Wednesday, one this, one that, one month, one. No, it's a everyday thing that have to be practiced in your life. Hallelujah. I'm so sorry for so many people just believing. All it takes is just to go to church. And sometimes, believe it or not, all it takes is just to go to church. Why do you I say it like that? Because sometimes when you go to church and the word is being preached like it's supposed to be spoken the way it's supposed to be spoken, then the word should come to convict you and be... Convincing to you that you might be ready to accept your Jesus as your personal Savior. Somebody ought to say amen. I'm here to try to share a word with you. That you might look within yourself. And that you might recognize that I'm sorry. The Lord, I am sorry. See, right now, this morning, all of us—I don't care. I, I don't care if you're a preacher, a or pastor, a or pope. I'm with you right now. All of us this morning, I'll be saying, "Lord, I'm sorry." And I know in your mind, you're saying, "What am I saying? I'm sorry for? I'm sorry, just living in this old flesh. Why? Because of its sinful nature. Its sinful nature. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry." Father, like Paul said it, he said, in this flesh dwelleth no good thing. He said, when I try to do right, I always end up doing wrong. And he said, every time I try to keep from doing wrong, look like right shows up, and then I still want to do wrong. He said, that I should be doing, I don't do. But that I shouldn't do, that's what I wind up doing. And you ought to recognize today the same thing that's happening in your life. When you make up in your mind that you want to do something different, then the opposition comes to cause you to want to do something else. But the Lord said, I'm here. I'm here if you want me to come into your life right now. If you want me to come into your life, it'd be what you would have me to do right now. Right now, we want you to pray and pray with us. Amen. We want you to recognize.